I just thank you for this wonderful woman and child of yours, and I pray your blessing. Father, I pray every word that comes from her mouth is from you this morning, Lord. I pray it flows with joy and peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Good morning. I can see everybody except Ann. <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, today, I want to talk about treasures. Now, I spoke a few weeks ago from my heart about this move that I've had to make, going from my home of nearly 22 years to a new place and the cost of serving the Lord. And today, I want you to take another little journey with me, another aspect of what a move of God could look like. Now, I want you to close your eyes for a minute, and I want you to imagine your home. I want you to see all the beloved items that you have that you've collected over the years. The pictures, the knickknacks, the furniture, everything just the way you wanted it to look. You got that picture? Now imagine that your house caught fire. Which of those precious items would you choose to save if you could only save one? Which would be that priceless treasure that you would risk your life for? I asked a couple of people if they would answer that question today. Florence, if you have something, what would you save? Study Bible, that's a good one. Julie, what would you say? Family. Very good, very good. So if anybody else has anything that they, would, that they think they would really, really go back into a burning house for, what would it be? Anybody? Your cat, okay. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Now let's switch gears for a minute and imagine this world and everything that's perfectly created, seas within their boundaries and the sky above, the moon and stars in their orbits, and the sun shining when it's supposed to, and daylight and dark within their limits. Now imagine this world, the Father's perfect creation, Everything just the way that he designed it, now on fire. Which of his perfect creation, his most valuable treasure, would he choose to save? Would he save the trees, the sea, the air? No. He chose to save us, people. His most precious possession, made in his image. And not only that, he became a people just like us in order to do it. That's amazing. In 1 Peter um, chapter 2, we talked about this um, on Thursday night. It says, you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's chosen ones. In the Passion Translation, there's a footnote about that word treasure. 
And it says that the Hebrew word for treasure is segulia, meaning a special treasure or possession, a guarded wealth, a place of the king's treasure and wealth of extraordinary value, like a bank vault or like the Tower of London where the crown jewels are housed. That's what God calls us, his special treasure, his chosen treasure. That amazes me that God has chosen me and you and you and you to be his perfect treasure, that we are a treasure in God's eyes. And not only that, but you're also the receptacle of many other treasures. You are like that bank vault that God has deposited many treasures within you. Yeah, right. I hear you say, uh, what treasures he's deposited in me? Well, how about his spirit? Yeah, that's true. His spirit has been deposited in each one of you. I read something on Facebook a while back that said, when we all get to heaven, we're going to walk up to the prophets and the patriarchs and we're going to ask them, what was it like to walk and talk with God like you did all of your life? And we will marvel at the close relationships that they had with the Father. But they're going to look at us and they're going to say, what was it like for you with the very Spirit of God living inside you? You see, they never had that. The Holy Ghost would come upon them from time to time, and they would prophesy and maybe do signs and wonders, but they never had the living Spirit of God as a permanent resident within their lives. That only came after Jesus' resurrection on the day of Pentecost. And what an extraordinary treasure that is. The spirit of the living God now wanting to live and inhabit God's chosen people. Us. You and me. Before that time, God would inhabit the praises of his people. But now he inhabits us. And that's why John, that's why Jesus in John 10 tells us that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But guess what? A thief never comes to an empty vault. Do you ever see a bank robber go to rob a bank that had nothing in it? No. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> the bank robber always goes to the bank with the most money in it. That's why he's there. And it's the same with our enemy. He only comes to a full vault. So if you feel like that the enemy is attacking you, that you're in a battle or that your mind is going, or that your emotions are all out of control. Remember this, the enemy has come to a full vault trying to steal God's crown jewels from you. He hates what God has deposited in you, but he himself can never attain. The gifts that God has given you are like the bone that's given to another dog, and Satan wants that bone. He can't have it for himself, but he's going to try to steal it from us. He had similar gifts at one point, but he discarded those gifts and wanted to become the one who was the most precious. 
He wanted the one to be giving gifts to us. And he wanted our praise to him. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us to lay not up treasures for yourselves on earth, where moths and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal, but lay up treasures in heaven. Now, in the past few months, I've had to dispose of about 200 paintings. My babies. My treasures. It broke my heart. But I realized that the real treasure was not in the paintings themselves, but the relationship with God that allowed me to tap into his creative spirit. Each time I would sit down at my easel to paint, I would ask God, okay, what's in the canvas today? Or if an inspiration came, I would ask, okay, well, what's that supposed to look like? And even though it has been an emotional wrenching to sift through 15 years of artwork, being ruthless in getting rid of so many paintings, and I only kept about 20 or 25 of them, of my very most favorites, it's also been a great lesson in finding out where my true treasures are. The closest of my relationship with Father God, being able to get his input on the creative process, knowing that it will be in effect again if I choose to start painting once more, relying on his grace and care for my personal well-being through the ridding out process. Those are the treasures that I have been able to identify through this moving malarkey. There's also been the priceless treasure of the care and concern of those of you around me who've been so eager to help get me through. There were days when I wasn't sure I was going to make it. But the treasure of praying friends made the difference. And you all are a most valuable treasure for me. So thank you very much. So now let me ask you all a question. What are your treasures? What's in your vault? I want you to sift through the treasures in your heart and think about which ones truly are the most valuable and where do they come from? Peace of mind, that's a very big treasure, isn't it? But remember that peace isn't the absence of war or turmoil. Peace is the presence of the Prince of Peace, and that's Jesus. Is perfect health one of your treasures? As frail human beings, we all experience ill health from time to time, and sometimes it is severe. But the absence of perfect health is the perfect place for our relationship with the healer to become our treasure. Remember the, word, the Lord's word to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, my grace is sufficient for you. When we don't get our healing, we can rely on his grace. And like Julie prayed this morning, the, our healing was accomplished already. We just need to stick it out and wait for it to be manifest in our bodies. And then what about the treasure of the fruit of the Spirit? There's all kinds of things there. Love and joy and peace, long-suffering and gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness and temperance. 
These are treasures that are part and parcel of our daily lives when the Holy Spirit is in residence. And then what about the gifts of the Spirit? A word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. So what are your heavenly treasures? Which things of God do you pursue? Do you protect? Do you guard as though they were the crown jewels? Does anybody have one specific thing that they really pursue when you're in your prayer closet? What is the one thing that you really go after when you're, when you're asking the Lord for gifts? Patience, yes. And, well, mercy, wisdom. You have no idea how many times I've asked the Lord over the past couple of months, Lord, give me wisdom. I don't know what to do next. And it's, it, there were days when it was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. But God, but God was always faithful and showed me exactly what to do next so that I could get through this move with the least amount of hassle. If this was the least amount, my goodness, I don't know what it would have been like if it had been hard. <laughs> Praise God. So when, when you're thinking about the gifts of God, what do you pursue besides patience and wisdom? What are you, what are you, what are you after? What do you want from the Lord? Revelation. Revelation, yes. What else? Healing, yes. What else? His presence, absolutely his presence. Yes, very good. In Proverbs chapter 4, we see this. And verse 23, it says... Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. Okay, so we've established that we are and have treasures of God. And they need to be protected and guarded like a bank vault holding the most precious treasures on earth. Well, how do you do that? How do you, how do, you do that? I remember there was a, a, an old Dick Van Dyke TV show where his, he was a, um, a writer, a comedy writer for a TV show. And his wife, Laura, wanted to become a writer of children's books. And she kept saying, well, I want to do this, but, but how do you do that? So he would go into this long, drawn-out psychobabble about writing. And she says, oh, oh okay, well, well, how do you do that? And he would go off into another thing about this, this long-winded, you know, tirade about what, what it is to be a writer. Okay, but how do you do that? And it's like us. Well, how do we do that? How do we guard our hearts? Let's go back a few verses in chapter 4 of Proverbs, and this is from the Amplified Bible. And the writer says, He, my father, taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get skillful and godly wisdom. Get understanding, discernment, comprehension, and interpretation. Do not forget to turn back from the words of my mouth. And do not turn back from the words of my mouth. Forsake not wisdom and she will keep, defend, and protect you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, skillful and godly wisdom, for skillful and godly wisdom is the principal thing. 
And with all that you've gotten, get understanding, discernment, comprehension, and interpretation. Prize wisdom highly and exalt her, and she will exalt and promote you. She will bring you to honor when you embrace her. She shall give to your head a wreath of gracefulness, a crown of beauty, and glory will she deliver to you. So as you grow and learn and study and meditate on God's word, he will impart wisdom to you, and wisdom will guard your hearts and all the treasures within them. You won't be be running around willy-nilly here and there and everywhere, wasting your heavenly treasures if you ask God for wisdom on how to do this, that, or the other thing. Like we've got this thing coming up. How do you do this? How do we do this, Lord? You know, show us wisdom. Give us wisdom on how to do this. What are we supposed to charge? What are we supposed to give away? How do we fill this hamper? That's asking for wisdom, and that's how success comes. So let's recap. God has chosen you, each one of you. Can you imagine that? God has chosen you. Yeah, Julie, he's chosen you. Florine and Ann and and everybody, he's chosen you. God said, I want somebody to do this, and I'm going to choose Julie to do it. I'm going to choose Florence to do that. I'm going to choose Maritza to do this. I'm going to choose Mary to do that thing over there. God has chosen you. Can you get your head around that? Isn't that amazing? And he has called you a special treasure. And he wants to use you as a guarded vault to contain his very own spirit with all the fruit and the gifts that he has. That just blows me away. God wants to use me to hold his Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow. He wants to have relationship with you. So that his wisdom will guard all that he has given you. Why? Why? (laughs) So this little kid on Facebook the other day, mama said something to him and he goes, why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) That's how we get sometimes with the Lord. Why? And this is the real reason. In Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20. And Jesus approached them, and breaking the silence, he said to them, All authority, all power and rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go then and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all the days perpetually, uniformly, and on every occasion to the very close and consummation of the age. Amen, so let it be. Amen means that's the end of the story, folks. That's all she wrote. And that's the way that it's going to work out. Amen, okay? And then again in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power, that's ability, efficiency, and might, When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem 
and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. This treasure was given to us not only for ourselves to edify us, to live in joyous, open, loving relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but also to give us the treasures that we need to be able to carry the same message to others around about us. That's what Jesus meant when he called us to lay up treasures in heaven, not on earth. Souls that we have witnessed to about his glory, his love, his mercy, and his power and grace. So now let's look at our treasures from that new perspective. Now how many treasures do we have? We may never know how many people have become treasures of God themselves. And that number shouldn't really count anyway. But the knowledge that we did utilize the gifts, the fruit, the sufficiency of the Holy Spirit to bless others, that is our treasure in heaven. It's like in financial terms, you have to spend money to make money. In the spirit, you have to expend some of the treasures of heaven in our lives to make treasures in other lives. How many people have you touched with the spirit? How many people have you touched with the gospel? How many people have you touched with the love and the mercy and the grace of God? You may never know. You may know. God may sometime let you know how many people or someone. It's like when I worked at this car dealership in Indiana. I was calling references for car loans. And I got a hold, and I've told this story before. I got a hold of this girl that she answered the telephone, Orange School, which was weird because that's the school that I used to go to when I was a kid. And as I was talking to her, I told her, you know, well, I used to go there. And she says, oh, yeah, who were you? And I told her, and she says, oh, I remember those McNally girls. She said, you guys would sing gospel songs on the bus coming home from school. And that's why I became a Christian. Forty years later, I found out that God had blessed somebody because of the spirit that I carried at that time. And I was only about 14 or 15 years old. Sometimes God will let you see the soul, the treasure that you have deposited in heaven. So be sure to keep planting the seed. Be sure to keep sharing the treasures that you have with other people. So let's look at our storehouse in heaven. We're storing them up, not using them, hoarding them for a rainy day in case we need them for ourselves. Remember what happened to the selfish people in that were hoarding the manna in the desert instead of trusting God to replenish their food every day. The manna fell, but was good for only that one day. And that manna served as a great lesson in faith. Every day, enough manna would fall for each person to have approximately enough to satisfy them for that day. They weren't allowed to save the manna from one day to the next. The leftovers had to be discarded outside the tent. Otherwise, they would become wormy and inedible. Yuck. And this taught a great lesson in faith. 
not having any reserves, the Israelites had to have faith in God that he would provide their needs every day. Sometimes we get to thinking, oh, I, I, no, I can't, I can't do that because I, I won't have enough energy to do this other thing. There, that, that, you know, or we get to thinking, no, I can't give that because if I give that, then, then, then I won't have, you know. <laughs> Don't we do that? Don't we all do that? God doesn't want us to do that. He gives us gifts so that we can give them away. He doesn't give us gifts for us to hoard them or to lay up for ourselves treasures on the earth. He gives us these gifts and these treasures to give to other people so that they can come into the kingdom as well. And remember, we can never outgive the Lord. What we give to others will come back to us in plenty. There's a, and I don't remember where it's at, but the scriptures, there's a scripture that says if we sow our bread after many days, it will come back to us. If you cast your bread upon the waters and after many days, it'll come back to us. It's the same with all the blessings that God has given us. If we give out a blessing to somebody else, it will come back on us, to us, for us, to be with us, to bless us. So let's start sharing our treasures. We do have a great opportunity coming up on April the 3rd with the outreach that we're planning to benefit the Thames Valley Hospice and to allow people to hear some encouraging words from one of our river people on his journey through his illness. Now I'm getting ready to close, so we got plenty of time. But as we go through this week, let's go on a treasure hunt through our own hearts and our minds and see what outrageous blessings God has given each one of us. Has he given you patience? Praise him for that. Has he given you mercy? Praise him for that. Has he given you a healing? Praise him for that. And then find somebody that you can tell about that. Oh, you'll never guess. I slept all night last night. It was absolutely amazing. The first time in months that I didn't get up three or four times in the middle of the night. I went to bed before 10 o'clock last night and I went right to sleep. And I woke up at 6 o'clock this morning thinking, what happened? (laughs) That is amazing to me. God is so good. He blesses us so much. And we want to share these blessings with other people to let them know how good God is and how good he can be to them as well. It's not just for us. It's for everybody. This is is a one-size-fits-all kind of gospel. (laughs) It doesn't matter what you have in your life or what you don't have. God will bless you. I want to pray for you, and then, then we're going to stop. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you just show each and every one of us all the treasures that you have deposited in us, the faith and the grace and the mercy, the healing, Father, the the outpouring of love for you. And, Father, then help us to share those treasures with other people. Put people in our paths this week that we can say, God loves you. Do you know God loves you? Do you know God loves you? (laughs) Hallelujah. Father, just bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.